0: And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, January 14th, 2019. Tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment. The goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, (laughs) self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, those are the only kind there are nowadays, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching, that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. There's a whole lot of deception going on out there, and a lot of people exploiting others with false doctrine heresies designed to ingratiate themselves, make themselves wealthy and rich and things like that. Yeah, that's kind of one of the things that happens. So as we get ready to launch into a new week here, um, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Now, one of the things we note here is that uh, we do our best to make it so that every episode of Fighting for the Faith has a unified theme. It could be an apologetic theme. It could be a doctrinal theme it can be an epistemological theme it could be a theme regarding uh particular characteristics that false teachers have in common you know stuff like that that being the case our one has a theme Our two it doesn't quite fit the theme so just so you know just so you know i just want to let you know ahead of time because i know there are those of you out there who like to see if they can backwards engineer the theme and uh and so that's uh Just to let you know. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to start off with a Joyce Meyer update. And there was a recent Christian Post article uh, where Joyce Meyer uh, admits her views on prosperity were, quote, out of balance, unquote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would be like saying, you know, terminal cancer. It kind of makes you feel sickish. You know, (laughs) You know, having your arm amputated could cause you know your life to become a a little tiny bit challenging. You you know, know, stuff like that. Yeah, this is uh, uh, I would say something woefully short of the proper kind of confession that you would admit from somebody who got it wrong majorly. And even and we're gonna we're gonna listen to a part of her. Uh, the video that she put on Instagram where she says it was out of balance. So we're going to note that um, the even the examples she gives are not like slipsies and oopsies and things like that. No, this, this is really damaging and very bad. And just merely calling it out of balance is not owning the magnitude of the sin that she has committed with the prosperity heresy that she has been known for. Uh, Over the past few decades, Uh, then we're going to uh, switch it up. We're going to head over to uh, Fellowship Church out there in Texas as we uh, listen to Ed Young preach about greed. Yep, we're going to hear Ed Young preach about greed. And a little bit of a note here: we're going to go back in time and to the year 2010 when uh, it was revealed via a very enterprising uh, investigative reporter down in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, Brett Ship, And uh, he did, a, a, well, an expose that showed that, well, Ed Young and Fellowship Church, back then, I don't know if they still do, owned a private jet. Mm-hmm. And that private jet was being used to Jet uh, Ed Young back and forth between Miami and many resort places and things like that. So I find it fascinating that he's preaching about greed. So uh, we'll remind everybody about uh, his past, which I wonder if it's still his present. And uh, then to out, uh, round out hour uh, one, we're going to listen to Rod Parsley and Steve Muncie and their latest um, fishing scheme. P h i s h i n g, yeah. You, you ever get an email from a Nigerian uh, prince or deposed royalty? Uh, you know, basically saying you know if you help them financially, they will be in 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 your debt and send you lots and lots of money. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is kind of like the theological doctrinal equivalent of that. This is a phishing scheme. This is a Fishing expedition, and uh, so we'll uh, note that. And then in hour two, we're going to head down to C3 Church uh, in Australia as we listen to Alex Lee explain to us how we need to seize the year and make the dream happen. Yes, yeah, seize the year, yeah, carpe carpe dreamum. Yeah. It's a yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. carpe dreamum is uh i I think that's how that works and uh and so that will be our uh episode of fighting for the faith strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable we really do have a lot of ground we need to cover and since we're going to start with a joyce meyer update let's do this You got to accentuate the positive, heal him. Monate the negative and latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with this or in between.
1: You
2: got to spread joy up to the maximum. Bring gloom down
0: to the minimum.
2: Have faith or pandemonium. Bible to walk upon the sea to illustrate my last remark. Jonah in the whale,
3: Noah in the ark. What did they do? Just when everything looked so dark, man, they said
4: we better accept. You ain't the positive.
2: In
1: between.
0: Yeah, that's right. you got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, you know, stuff like that. That means uh, we're going to be doing a Joyce Meyer update, and we're going to uh, head over to the Christian Post, and uh, we're not actually going to read out much of the article that is appearing there at the Christian Post, but we're going to note that um, <clears throat> Joyce Meyer has made something of a confession. It's, it's really more of an admission that her views on prosperity and faith were, quote-unquote, out of balance. This is far from what is necessary. What is needed is for Joyce Meyer to confess that she was teaching rank heresy, and she exploited people with false words and made herself extremely wealthy with this false teaching and heresy, and she needs to repent and resign, close the whole thing up. She really got it wrong, but you're going to note that this um, admission non-confession doesn't even remotely uh, come close to understanding the magnitude of the damage that she has wrought on the body of Christ. And so as a result of it, uh, we're not going to get the... um, A a very good confession from her. In fact, as she explains in the Instagram video that she sent out, what she talks about, I mean, you just consider the magnitude of it. It, It's it's totally lost on her is the best way I can put it. So without any further ado, here is Joyce Meyer and and explaining to us, uh, well, how she – well, her her views on prosperity were out out of balance. Here we go.
5: Faith is something God gives you that you need to use and release in your
0: life. It's a See, we didn't get very far. (laughs) Faith is a force of something like that I have to release in my life. Which text says that? Where on earth in the Bible does it say I have to, you know, activate or release my faith and then it's a force? Faith you know the, the just a simple concept of faith uh is you know the greek word is pistos in this noun form and it means trust and pistuo again trust you know and so the idea here is is that faith is a gift given by god faith in christ for the forgiveness of our sins is actually given by god himself we'll do a little bit of work uh you know from like ephesians chapter 2 ephesians chapter 2 And um, a passage that we're all familiar with, uh, Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through, dia, faith, pastuos, through faith. And this is not your own doing. Now you're sitting there going, well, what isn't my own doing? Answer, the salvation and the faith. Faith itself is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. In fact, if you trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you're a penitent sinner who believes that Jesus has bled and died for you. That trust that you have in Christ, that, that trust is called faith, pistou. You know, that's what it is. It's faith. And so this is a gift given by God. It's not something you activate. It's not something you release. It's not a force. Nowhere in Scripture does it teach this. So here in this admission video of uh, Joyce Myers, we already have problems because she's saying that faith is a force and we've got to somehow release it in our lives. Yeah, no.
5: Powerful force, but it's not just an automatic. You put your trust in God.
0: Well, we just read in Ephesians, you don't put your trust in God. God gives you faith as a gift. Yeah.
5: Put your faith in him. I'm glad for what I learned about prosperity, but it got out of balance. Out of balance. This
0: is the woman who is infamously known for having a golden toilet. I, I, I think the only other person I've ever heard of having a golden toilet was Saddam Hussein. So, so her 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 views on prosperity and faith were, you know, not heretical. No, I didn't exploit people in my greed. It just was <laughs> just out of balance, you know. I just needed to go to Walmart, you know, to the TLE, Tire Lube Express, and get my faith back in alignment and get get the tires balanced on my theology. Listen to what she says next.
5: I'm glad for what I learned about faith, but it got out of balance. And so every time somebody had a problem in their life, it was because they didn't have enough faith. If you got sick, you didn't have enough faith. If your child died, you didn't have enough faith.
0: Whoa. I mean, just notice how blasé, she just glosses right over that. So if your child died, it's because you didn't have enough faith. I want you to think about just how damaging that theology has been to countless hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. So somebody, you know, has gone through the trauma of having one of their children die. And Joyce Meyer's theology was, well, you just didn't have enough faith. It's your fault your child is now in the grave. If you had just activated this force in your life and brought your faith up to the right level, your child would be alive today. So it's your fault this child is dead. Consider just how devastating that theology is. Not only is it heretical, it just obliterates somebody's belief in God and turns god into a monster and me now culpable when a you know if my child had gotten sick and died and she just glosses over and well you know <laughs> you used to say it's
5: just out of balance you know <laughs> this is sick well that's not right you can't there's nowhere in the bible where we're promised that we'll never have any trouble i don't care
0: i agree but you're admitting not really confessing admitting that what you were teaching was not biblical and not even owning remotely owning the damage that you have done to people.
5: How much faith you've got. You're not going to avoid ever having trouble in your life. Jesus said in the world, there will be tribulation. Cheer up. I have overcome the world.
0: All right. So there it was, you know, the lady who has a golden toilet. Um, yeah, so, you know, Christian Post, oh, we're so happy she's admitted that it it was, you know, out of balance. No, it was heresy. She is absolutely shipwrecked the faith of countless numbers of people by teaching that false theology, the word of faith movement. And she's still teaching a, a light version, a more imbalanced version of the word of faith heresy. Yeah, But the problem is is that it doesn't matter how balanced the word of faith heresy is. It's still a heresy. So, yeah. Thanks for nothing, Joyce. Thanks for nothing. I'm sure the people out there who were led to believe by you or disciples of you that their dead child, that that child died because of their lack of faith, will find this admission to be... Completely inadequate. Doesn't even recognize the magnitude of the damage you've wrought on the body of Christ with that heresy and the damage that you have done to people's lives. The same. Moving along. About to spurt a supernatural dream
3: It's time I speak the sublime put my trust in faith
0: Night's the night. I'm gonna take the word and twist it.
4: Crying all of these tears, but the Lord's got it. Blinding eyes.
0: So uh, we're heading over to uh, Fellowship Church. This is where Ed Young holds court. And we're going to, well, note that um, Ed Young is going to be preaching about greed. And he's going to be doing so in in kind of his unique, weird, annoying way. And, And it's all about barnyard animals. Don't ask me why. You'll see in a minute. But uh, it's about barnyard animals, and he's going to talk about greed, but the strange thing here is, in preaching about greed, I would like to remind everybody that um, this is a guy who doesn't seem to have much in the way of credibility when it comes to preaching about greed. And there's a very specific reason why, and it has something to do with a private jet. That is, uh, is documented to be used for visiting resorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ministry Jet being used for visiting expensive resorts. So uh, with that, let's uh, get to it. Here is Ed Young and his sermon titled, Barnyard Friends. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Here we go.
2: Twelve years old when my youngest brother was born, he was a surprise. I remember reading him children's books. And my favorite book I ever read to my brother was a book called Barnyard Friends. I really loved that book. And I have to confess to you, it was one of the first times I began to work on my sound effects. I always have loved sound effects, but I used to read him that book, and he would love it.
0: And I got... Maybe that's the reason why he named the Sermon on Great Barnyard Friends. He he likes you know doing sound effects really annoying sound effects. Yeah, I kind of memorized part of Barnyard Friends, so
2: so here you go. So I would I would read it in this voice for some reason. I would go Barnyard Friends. Uh, I don't know why I use that voice, but I'm like 12 years old. And, 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 you know, from, I really read, which biblical text are you preaching on again? I'm a, a, a little confused here. Barnyard friends to cliff from the time I was 12 to maybe 14. So barnyard friends. So the first picture would show a realistic picture of a pig and the, the baby pig eating pig slop. And, and, and here's what it said. Dinner time on the farm and then I would go. <laughs> he would laugh
0: and laugh and laugh.
2: And then the next page it's kind of sick I remember this, isn't it?
0: You just walk down memory lane here, dude. That's clearly what you think sermons are for. <laughs>
1: Showed a horse
0: and the little you know colt by the horse.
2: And the horse, I would use this, you know, as my... (coughs) Isn't my baby cute? So I would just go through. I don't want to do all the animals, like... (coughs) All sorts of things, but... Well, I'm not sure an elephant was part of the... I just threw that in.
0: You know what's really weird? I do think... We covered a sermon of his in 2018, where he did that elephant noise, too. Barnyard Friends. Yeah, you know, okay.
2: But I think you feel me, Barnyard Friends. It's a great book. I tried to find it on the World Wide Web, out of print, Barnyard Friends. I mean, the real Barnyard Friends. Jesus today is going to tell us about Barnyard Friends.
0: what i don't recall the barnyard friends parable of jesus which translation are you working from there ed Jesus, in essence opens up this
2: book and he goes okay barnyard
0: friends why would jesus talk about barnyard friends you still haven't shown me that he has I'm a little skeptical at the moment, you know, just saying. Do you have barnyard friends? I don't know. I think at the end of this talk,
2: you'll go, okay, I either do or I don't. Barnyard friends. Why would Jesus talk about barnyard friends? Well, a couple of guys were arguing in the crowd. Thousands were in attendance to hear Jesus talking. Some of the guys were arguing about money, about inheritance issues. Brothers were going back and forth.
0: I need this, or I want that, or dad wanted me to have that. Why don't you just read the text? The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double edged sword. Your summary, paraphrase, retelling, how you imagine the text goes, yeah, it doesn't have that same power, you know? We're, we're as pastors, we're supposed to, you know, preach the word. Arguing about just
2: what the guy had left. And so they lob a question to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, hey, settle this issue. Which was common back in the day, you know, when rabbis would speak, people would just throw questions at them, sort of like a like a first century press conference, so to speak. So Jesus answers this question in a highly unusual way. Well, well, first of all. In verse 15 of Luke chapter
0: 12, he brings up. All right, so now we're, now, now we know where we're supposed to be. All right. Luke chapter 12. All right, let me let me pull this up. Luke 12, verse 15. Okay, let me fast forward here. All right, so here's the account. Uh, we'll take a look at it and see if we can identify any barnyard friends. You know, like elephants and horses and pigs and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. So <clears throat> Luke twelve thirteen. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist You have ample goods laid up for laid, laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, that this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is clearly a text dealing with you know where your heart is and you know talking about Money being a, a, something, something like an idol uh, in your life. You know, you, your deity, the god that you look to, and and in your greed, you forget the fact that, yeah, you actually are your brother's keeper. I, I love. I think it was Ambrose of Milan, uh, the church father, who uh, noted that uh, this guy was very foolish because rather than storing this food in barns laid up for himself, he should have stored this grain. In the bellies of the poor, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of. I think that's a good way of looking at this text. So it's the reason why this sermon that Ed Young is preaching, because the word barns appears once in the text, Detecting a little creative license on his part, shall we say? We continue. Greed. He just talks about greed.
2: So they they throw this question at him. And then Jesus goes in verse 15. He said to them, the two guys, the two bros, take heed and beware of greed. For one's life does not consist of the stuff of the possessions that he owns. Indeed. He talks about greed. Yeah. Isn't it interesting just to talk about greed for a second? Greed was once called a vice. Now it's a virtue. Now it's like, oh, boy, you're greedy. Well, anyway, Jesus throws that out,
0: and then he tells. (laughs) Is it really become that bad in society that people think that greed is a virtue? I don't know anybody who thinks that. Yeah, just hanging out with the wrong set. I don't know here. These two guys, a story. And this story is fascinating
2: because if you put yourself in the sandals of his crowd, you kind of go, wow, this sounds like a very positive, kind of a, a business vibe type story from Jesus. I mean, it sounds...
0: What are you talking about? What are you talking do- How could this sound like some kind of business vibe story that somehow somebody can accidentally, just as they begin reading it, think that greed's a good thing. You seem to forget we have the law of God written on our hearts. But um, Jesus doesn't begin the story with telling the story. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. Jesus begins with the words, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, that little disclaimer right there at the beginning of that parable makes it impossible for somebody to sit there and go, wow, man, Jesus is giving us a business vibe. Woo! And boy, he's really telling us how great it is to amass possessions. Only if you like failed fourth grade reading comprehension. All right, we're up on our first break. When we come back, we'll continue with uh, Ed Young as he's... Preaching on greed in this really weird barnyard friends sermon. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, more from Ed Young and then Rob Parsley and Steve Muncy.
1: Jesus did not die for your four oh one K. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air, I breathe. This is the air, I breathe.
4: Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio.
1: Max Holliday's
6: Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select.
1: That's the bell. Rick, Warren, and Joe Osteen come charging out of their corners to begin round five, and the
6: punches are already flying. Warren delivers a clean uppercut into Osteen's jaw. Now missing a beat, Osteen returns the favor with a swift jab to Warren's ribcage. Warren staggers a little, but lunges and lands a stunning blow to Osteen's right temple. Osteen's light footiness has allowed him to dodge a majority of Warren's more devastating blows, but I think he may be in trouble now. Warren is coming in for the knock, and oh! Rick Warren has punched Osteen in the face with a wild haymaker, and he's down. Osteen was hit so hard that his mouth guard has flown into the nosebleed section of the audience. Warren really put all his weight into that one. Osteen has begun to stand back up while using the rope for support. He's... he's almost up. He's up! Joe Osteen is still standing, folks. The crowd is going wild. Joe Osteen is now doing something unprecedented. He's... He's smiling. Joel Osteen's white teeth have blinded Rick Warren, and Rick Warren is now lying flat on his back. It's a technical knockout. Rick Warren is down for the count, ladies and gentlemen, making Joel Osteen the uncontested winner.
0: for additional savings. Again, FightingForTheFaith.com Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms and rental cars today.
4: Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and... It's It's coffee. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to Gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out.
0: Back. Uh, Warning: listening to uh, Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, greed seems to be running rampant among certain popular pastors and preachers. Just a reminder: Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring. Fighting for the fate to end of the world and you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website. FightingFortheFate.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us, helps uh, ha- help us by giving us a predictable amount of income on a monthly basis so that we can uh, budget properly and no- don't have so many peaks and valleys. Now, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can uh, become a patron by clicking on Become a Patron button. That's a Patreon patron. And, of course, if you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, here's some more Ed Young in this, you know, Barnyard Friends sermon, which is just obnoxious at best. And uh, he'll be making the point not too long from now about, uh, about greed and stuff. Here we go. But, okay, we continue really cool about making a
2: lot of money, and after all, we want to make a lot of money, and the money is for me, and I can invest the money and have my money working for me. I have this giant portfolio, so that 's what everyone 's thinking so 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 as I read this for the first, what am I watching
0: here. I mean... <laughs> See. <clears throat> hey, this is just annoying. I was thinking the
2: same thing. I was thinking, wow, okay. Greed, maybe greed is good. And you're talking about greed here, Jesus. And 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 maybe greed, maybe this desire to
0: acquire is a is a god thing. Well, let's let's see what Jesus says. Look little Again, only if you failed fourth grade reading comprehension could you even remotely begin to think that the desire to acquire is a good thing while reading this parable. It's, I mean, his explanation, it's not real. Nobody thinks this way. Verse 16, Luke chapter 12.
2: And he told them this parable. Again, them being the two guys, right? The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. I'm like, well, that's good. Good for him. This guy's banking, man. I mean,
0: his role. It would, do you, when you read the Bible, do you just work your way through one verse and sit there and emote based upon the one verse? He's telling a story, man. I mean, ever since I was a wee little lad, you know, I, when I would hear a story told to me, it's like I would kind of like take in the story, you know, before I would start to reflect on how different parts of the story were making me feel in the moment it's just one sentence and he's as soon as jesus takes a breath the next sentence is coming this is not exegesis i don't even know what this is
1: he's
2: a heavy
0: hitter he
2: thought to himself the guy that made all this money what shall i do i mean that's an honest question when i make money when you make money i mean That's what I think. What shall I do? Sometimes, if I make extra money, maybe an investment, maybe, for me, a book deal, maybe a consulting fee or whatever I'm doing, I go...
0: (laughs) You just learned a little bit about (laughs) Ed Young's cash flow there. Book deal, consulting fee. Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
1: What... Shall I do?
0: I don't know. Maybe you buy more fuel for your private jet? I'm just taking a stab in the dark here, you know.
1: You're the same
2: way. You know, it's so funny. I can talk about three subjects, like death. I can talk about money. And I can talk about sex. And
1: two out of three of those... Or negative, but but every time
2: I talk about death and money, you know people get kind of funny, and that's okay. Just just everybody take a deep breath. Ah,
1: yeah, we're just gonna talk about stuff. I mean, I have to talk about it.
0: It's gotta talk about stuff, man. You know. Gotta talk about money from time to time, you know, because you know Jesus did, yeah, about it. You know, most of his parables were about stuff. Stuff, and the Bible is talked about more than
5: what on
0: earth. You know, most of Jesus's parables were about you know stuff. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's so profound, man. Yeah, so deep, it's unfathomable. I'm backing this up just a little bit. Yeah, we're just going to talk about stuff. I mean, I have to talk
7: about
2: it. Mm -hmm. Jesus talked about it. You know, most of his parables were about stuff. Stuff in the Bible is talked about more than prayer, more than heaven or hell. Stuff.
1: So, don't judge me. We continue. We love to say that, don't we? Let's go funny. That's a whole another
2: subject, but mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what Jesus said about stuff. So sounds to me like this story's going pretty good, doesn't it? Make a lot of money. This guy made a lot of money. Maybe sometimes you have extra money, and it's like, whoa, cool. Well, it even gets better. This guy now says, you know, I have these barns, barnyard friends. I have these barns, and I'm sure he had a lot of friends in the
0: barns. And there we now know. Why he named the sermon, Barnyard Friends.
2: And he said, you know, what shall I do? Verse 17, I have no place to store all of my excess. All of this stuff. So he makes an arrogant decision. An arrogant decision. Say that with me, an arrogant decision. Have you ever made an arrogant decision? Well, I have. Yeah, I have made an arrogant decision before. Because I've had things happen to me before and I've said to myself, that's for me. I didn't even really think about God. I thought I did that and I made
1: that. It's my stuff. Greed. Greed. I wrote a book about greed. The first of my 14 books. You wrote a book about
0: greed. You ever heard of the concept of pastor, you need to practice what you preach? You know, just saying. I'll quote you
2: a definition from Greed, chapter 5, page 89. It's out of print now,
0: but I want to write it again. Just like barnyard friends. Please don't write it again. Greed is the desire to acquire,
2: as I said earlier, but let me add something to it that's gone haywire
0: the desire to acquire that's gone haywire. That's his definition. Okay, we'll let him repeat it just a second here.
2: Acquire that's gone haywire. It's okay to have a desire to acquire. What's wrong with that? The Bible is not anti-ownership. The Bible does not say that money is bad. Doesn't say that stuff is satanic. It's not in the Bible. Okay, isn't that good? Just nod your head like, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. So money's neutral.
0: Now the love of money is what will mess you up and me up. It's yeah, I agree. Now, we're let's go back in time here to uh, the year 2010. In February of 2010, Brett Ship, investigative reporter uh, down in Dallas, did an expose and showed that uh, Ed Young in Fellowship Church owned a private jet. In fact, at the time that the story broke, there was an ex-employee of uh, Fellowship Church who went on camera and remained anonymous, who uh, ratted him out and talked about his trip on the uh, private jet. And then in April of 2010, there was a follow-up, yeah, a full-blown follow-up to that story. So greed is the desire to acquire that's gone haywire, according to Ed Young, in this Barnyard Friends sermon, let's just take a look at some of the investigative reporting regarding uh, Fellowship Church's private jet that Ed Young used to travel to resorts. Because he's got a minister there and stuff, I think, yeah.
1: He's been flying around to exotic locations on the Fellowship Church jet, but has megachurch pastor Ed Young also been vacationing on the congregation's dime? Well, Young says no.
0: Channel 8 reporter Brett Chip joins us now as News 8 investigates. Brett.
7: John and Gloria, Fellowship Church pastor Ed Young is widely known for his contemporary style and controversial messages, but there's something in particular he's not so open about. His church's $8 million jet, first leased back in March of 2000. 2007, But it wasn't until a News Aid investigation this past February that Pastor Ed Young revealed its existence to his own congregation. And it wasn't until just a few days ago that we found out through a government records request exactly where that jet was traveling. Now, according to a public relations firm in New York, the Fellowship Church jet is used primarily for vital ministry affairs, helping young minister to more than a quarter million people. But wait until...
0: Oh, yeah quarter million people you you can't reach them unless you have a you know a private jet
7: you see where the jet has been going to conduct those vital missionary services and once you see where the jet has been going you may also want to know how much it's costing and who's paying for it questions we'll try to answer tonight at 10 o'clock join us as
0: news 8 investigates well, he told his congregation he had nothing to hide. He insisted: Yeah, this is the 10 o'clock version, the later version of the story, yeah. The News 8 investigation about his lifestyle was wrong, but Ed Young, the pastor at Fellowship Church in Grapevine, may soon have to answer. Numerous trips by the least church jet to resort locations, travel costing tens of thousands of dollars per trip. News 8's Brett Schiff joins us now. He's got some new information about the use of that jet.
7: That's right, John. Three months ago, we first reported on the lifestyle of Fellowship Church Pastor Ed Young. We revealed the existence of a private church jet and a complex network of private businesses. For months, we have requested interviews with Pastor Young. Each time, we have been referred to a New York public relations firm. Yet they have declined to answer simple questions, such as, who uses the church jet and for what? So we did a little digging of our own, and tonight, News 8 investigates fellowship church located in grapevine has thousands of members on five campuses pastor ed young says his church and travels have allowed him to minister to more than a quarter million people but young may be best known for this sex is like pizza his 2008 sermon urging married couples to have seven days of sex so sensational he made guest appearances on several network programs including comedy central the church We've been quiet about sex and something that God has not been quiet about.
2: So I think Christians... You're not doing it right then. Yeah,
7: it's true. He <laughs> is somewhat less eager to talk about this. A News aid investigation into his fellowship church's leasing of an $8 million Dassault Falcon 50 private jet, which the church keeps at a hangar at Alliance Airport. While Young is not legally or professionally obligated to disclose anything to his congregants, he did respond to our report about his travel.
2: And this year I'm flying commercially like a mad
1: dog to places all over the world.
0: I'm, yeah. Sounds like he got caught. You know, and so he's, you know, this is his version of like, honey, I'll sleep on the couch tonight, you know also
7: have chartered planes then last on his list of preferred air travel something he had not disclosed to his congregation until after our story we also lease private aircraft according to the new york public relations firm hired by young the plane used by pastor young is used primarily for vital ministry affairs this primarily
0: vital vital ministry vital
7: Plane has allowed Pastor Young access to minister to more than a quarter of a million people who
0: because you can get to them so much quicker, you know. <laughs> you could fly there in a private jet; it's a lot quicker because you know then you don't have to like you know wait in line and queue up and and then go to the baggage claim and stuff. So, I mean, if you fly commercially, you know, in coach or something, you you can't reach a quarter of a million people. It's just just not humanly possible.
7: He otherwise would not have been able to reach. But FAA flight logs obtained by News 8 tell a more detailed story. Mm-hmm. Using dates, times, and destinations dating back to March 2007 when the jet was acquired, mm-hmm. we plotted the trips on a monthly calendar. Shaded in green are the days of the month the church jet was being used, presumably by Young. Four hundred six,
0: The Bahamas
7: days in less than three years many of those days 150 of them the jet was parked at an airport in miami where young has a branch of his fellowship church but as we found out a few sundays ago young and his associates regularly minister to the miami congregation via satellite signal
0: that's right the miami campus of fellowship church is a video venue church only on rare occasions does ed young actually physically preach there
7: to their church from the fellowship church in grapevine the question is of those 150 days the jet was in miami how often was young on the jet and how often was he actually serving his congregation according to the new york public relations firm Pastor Young is personally very active at his Miami campus. He often returns week after week to lead sermons. All of those trips to Miami, all of those days in southern Florida, and while his church is only open one day a week, there is one place belonging to Young that is open 24-7.
0: Specifically, a
7: condominium which Young...
0: High-rise condo, beachfront, Miami.
7: Makes ...passing reference to in this address to his congregation. Uh, I have a condo.
2: I have a condo. It's not paid for either,
7: but I have invested in a condo. I have that. And this is it. Young's Condo, a gated 2,600-square-foot oceanfront condominium in Coconut Grove, Florida, which he bought in 2007 for $1.1 million. from. Yeah. 16th floor, ocean front balcony, a spectacular view of the Dinner Key Marina, the largest marina in Florida. Also of interest to Young in South Florida, one of his admitted passions.
4: Florida Keys, an epic day
2: after the tarpon. That's
7: huh? what it's all about. Yes,
0: sir, baby. Congratulations. What, What's this one? In addition. Yeah, I, I think you get the point. <clears throat> we'll put a link up to uh this video so that if you'd like to see the remainder of it, you can. If you want to just find it on YouTube for yourself, it's Ed Young, Second WFAA Exposé, April 2010. So remember in the Barnyard Friends sermon, he defines greed as the desire to acquire that's gone haywire. Need I say more? That's my point. Moving along.
1: I've
6: got 90,000 pounds in my pajamas. I've got 40,000 French francs in my fridge. I've got lots of lovely lira. Now the Deutsche Mark's getting dearer. And my dollar bills would buy the Brooklyn Bridge. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite as beautiful as cash. Some people say it's folly, but I'd rather have the lolly. With money you can make a splash. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. Money, money, money. Nothing like a newly minted pound. Money, 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 money. Everyone must anger for the bunchness of a banker. It's a that waits the world around, round, round, round. You can keep your Marxist ways, but just the
0: world. No. No. Money, 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 Yep, time for a money-grubbing televangelist update. And I cannot think of two more money-grubbing-ish televangelists. And they're not even evangelists at all. They are just money-grubbers. Uh, Steve Muncie and Rod Parsley. Uh, this is their latest phishing scheme and it is so blatant what they are doing. It is absolutely shameless. And the best thing I could say about this is that these boys are going to have to give an account of every single penny they stole from people in the name of Jesus when they meet him face to face. It's not going to be a good conversation. I assure you of that. But let's get to it. Here's uh, Rod Parsley and Steve Muncie and their latest Fishing, P H I S I S H I N G. Yeah, fishing scheme. Here we go.
2: Dr. Munsey. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this word. I'll tell you that. You shared just a little tidbit of it with me in the green room getting ready to come out here to break through. And I said, please, please, please stay and do a whole program on it just from that little bit. So you know you're going to be blessed today. So we're ready. I'm ready.
0: No, I know that if I watch too much of this, I'm going to end up getting robbed today.
2: Jubilee Bible and my pen. I'm ready to receive a word, and I know it's going to touch my heart and change my life.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Parsley. And actually, this word was born in my spirit in the air from Chicago to Columbus. Yep. I I.
0: <laughs> you gave birth <laughs> to this word while flying from Chicago to Columbus, Ohio.
1: Okay. We continue.
3: Came in and I, uh, quickly begin to describe to Dr. Parsley. Yeah. That this word was birthed,
1: birthed.
3: And, the, and the Holy spirit, uh, said to me you must today speak this you know and i said but
0: now uh the holy spirit said you must must speak all right or
3: you know i can't tell dr parsley we should that you know we should do another program and uh and
0: you're gonna know that this portion of this fishing scheme, you know, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G is designed to make it look like, oh, Steve Muncy, he's a humble, humble man. And he would never impose his will and, and ask for another television program on with Rod Parsley. You know, they probably only planned two. And, and now the Holy Spirit is saying, no, no, I want you to do three. And so he's, He's in a quandary. He 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 doesn't want to overstep his bounds and and so all of this is designed to you just pull on your heartstrings and go, "Oh man, brother, if the Holy Spirit told you and you birthed this in your spirit in a plane from Chicago to Columbus, you 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 just got to you got to risk it, dude. You got to risk it." This is Utter nonsense! This is total theater that we're watching here.
3: Oh, I would be, be, you know, tell you about it a little bit, and mm-hmm. you said, "Oh, hmm, that's got to be spoken." Yeah. And I so appreciate your sensitivity yeah. to the Holy Spirit. Every person you that are watching, what have you lost? I'm talking to you to tell you you have lost health. And-
0: have you lost something? losing my mind right now have, have you have you lost health which by the way you live long enough it happens to everybody if you live long enough you lose health yeah yeah you, you'll note that the beard is gray there's a skunk thing going on here that wasn't there 10 years ago no i i looked a lot younger then. yes i did um so i'm i'm losing my youth i've lost my youth <laughs> What am i gonna do so and so here's where the fishing part of it is is that he's reaching out and kind of casting a net here you know or throwing you know the the, the lure out you know and we're gonna we're gonna see if we can fish for people who've lost stuff and then make some weird promise from god about finding things if you send money to rod parsley that's how the scam works by the way
3: you're 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 gasping, saying you're talking to me. No. You have lost a relationship. You've <gasps> lost him. You've lost her. Oh
0: no, I've lost her. Sitting there going, yeah, but what if you lost her? Because you know she died. <laughs> it happens, you know. Or what if you lost him? You yeah, know, because he was eaten by a shark. You know, it's I mean. <laughs> Just, just saying, you know, so he, notice he's purposely praying on those who are mourning. Uh-huh.
3: My children, I, I can't communicate. Something is lost. I, I've lost money. Okay. I've lost money. Oh, yeah. I-
0: <laughs> notice the quivering lip in them. You know, the, the the Rod, this is just pure theater, folks. He's he's an actor. He's a thespian. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with sexual orientation, by the way. Just saying. We continue.
3: I've lost time. I've lost relationships. Mm. Let me give you a little word. This is, I think this is a good word.
0: You see that little smirk there? He knows he's lying through his teeth. He really does. And how much do you think he spends in the tanning? salon just wondering
3: you can't make new old friends wow you need to realize
0: the pseudo profundity right there you'll follow it up with a wow oh this is, these are pearls from heaven man no this is all scam he's fishing trying to exploit those who are internally experiencing mourning because of a great loss
3: the circle that you're in is permanent And that Satan is trying to break down the people that are surrounding you because they are the people who will actually help you. But somehow loss has come. I want to tell you, I want to tell you Mm -hmm. that even though loss has come Mm -hmm. and you're staring at me saying, who are you? Well, I've seen you. I don't know you. And it doesn't matter.
0: You're the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a schemer and a slander and a liar. Yeah.
3: What matters is I have touched something within you yes. and you say, as Dr. Parsley said today, I lost my child at Disney World. Right. I've lost my keys. I've lost mm-hmm. something. May I tell you that this program has literally been stopped mm-hmm. of regular broadcasting yes. at Dr. Parsley. yes. To insert, and may I say it with all due respect and with with a servant's heart, yeah. that this is a God word, and everything is
0: no, it's not. This is not a God word. This is a greed word that we're about to hear.
3: To tell you that the loss you have is not bad; it's ready, it's getting ready to be good. Thank you, Jesus. and that.
1: Lo-
0: Making promises for God that God has not made is called blasphemy. That's what this is. This is just straight up greedy blasphemy that we're hearing here.
3: Loss, loss is a signal Mm. (laughs) that God is getting ready not only to get it back to you, Mm. but you're about ready to be promoted. So you...
0: What? I mean, again, you know, you noted that somebody has lost him, has lost her. I just asked the question: What if they died, right? So you're saying that somebody who lost a loved one to death, that that person's going to be returned to them, and then they're going to experience a promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this fishing scam here.
3: Who that have lost? Here is what happened. To a young man who was tall, and his father was very wealthy, and his father had many, many donkeys. Now, that sounds like a farm, and and maybe you can't relate.
0: Just for clarity, (laughs) the theme for this episode has nothing to do with farm animals. Just saying.
3: Because you ride the bus, or you, you you get a ride to work, or you drive to work. You've been in a vehicle, so a donkey is something that's foreign to us. Let me kind of break this down. Uh, he was in the donkey business, and donkeys are are used as a. Co-
0: he was in the donkey business? What? <laughs> I know the taxi is referring to it. I don't think that detail's in there
3: are used for harvesting the crops, you know, walking down the rows of the corn or the tomatoes, and they are able to put in a...
0: They used oxen for that. Now, granted, a donkey is a beast of burden, but they used oxen for, you know, prepping the land and stuff.
3: ...the donkey and stack it. So now visualize that donkeys are a combine. Now, visualize that Saul's daddy, Kish, lost somehow, one day, 300 donkeys. Now, picture in your mind, Mm. 300.
0: 300. I know the text in question. And I do not remember it saying that he lost 300. So let's take a look at this passage. Shall we... We're going to note that it's in First Samuel, chapter 9. It's a historical narrative. And these this is a, a particular type of text that scam artists like Steve Muncie and Rod Parsley enjoy mangling up to make it look like there's some kind of principle here that, you know, if you do the same thing, then you're going to have some positive outcome in your life. This This is how this works. So, um, yeah, historical narratives are to be believed, not applied in this way. And, and this is the account of the anointing of the first king of Israel. And that's Saul of the tribe of Benjamin. So here's the account. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abael, son of Zerar, the son of Bekoroth, the son of Afia, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. He had a son uh, whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. Now, the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, his son, take one of the young men with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. So, I, at least in this account, it doesn't say nothing about 300 donkeys. I mean, that would be a huge amount of donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, passed through the land of uh, Shalisha, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Sha'alim, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. And when they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Now a little bit of a note. The man of God being referred to there is the prophet Samuel. And it says of him in scripture that not one of his words fell to the ground, which by the way, is how true prophets operate. If you're really hearing from God, none of your words are going to fall to the ground, and everything you say is going to come true if you're doing predictive work at all and The reason for that is simple: God doesn't lie um so we can already see how this is going to go down, you know spoiler alert, but this is what's going to end up happening is that Steve Munsey is going to sit there and go. Have you lost your keys? Have you lost him or her? Well, you need to find the man of God, you know, Rod Parsley, you know, and uh, you're going to need to give him a gift the way, you know, Saul and his servant gave a gift to, you know, to Samuel so that uh, you can get with the lost thing that uh, yeah, and the and all of these details by the way, the events that were happening in Saul's life, God was orchestrating for the purpose of Bringing him before Samuel in order that Samuel might anoint him as king of Israel. But you know, I digress. But so let's come back. So, so then the servants. Uh, Saul said to his servant, "But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the uh, bread and our sacks is gone, and there's no present to bring the man of God. What do we have?" So the servant answers uh, Saul again, "Here I have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver." and i 'll give it to the man of God to tell us our way, formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, "Come, let us go to the seer for today for today's prophet was formerly called a seer. so Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go and so they went into the city where the man of God was, and as they went up the hill to the city, they met uh, young, uh, they met young women coming out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here and they Answered, Well, he is. Behold, he just ahead of you. Hurry. He has come now just now to the city, because the people have a sacrifice today in the high place. And as soon as you enter the, the city you will find him, before he goes up to the high place to eat, for the peoples will not eat till he comes, since he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. So they went up to the city, and there they and entering the city they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now, the day before Saul came, uh, Yahweh had revealed to Samuel, tomorrow about this time, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. So you'll note here what I just said, that this idea that God orchestrated these things in order to get Saul in front of Samuel, God worked that all out so that God was the one sending Saul to be uh, uh, to be anointed as king of Israel. So he shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, Yahweh told him, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. So then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and says, tell me where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up before me. To the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go, and will let you, and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys that were lost the three days ago, uh, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all of your father's house? So Saul answered. Am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? And so when you read the account here, Saul never gives Samuel money, you know, in order to learn where the donkeys are. No, that never happens. So keep that in mind. There's something further going on in this text. And this is about God orchestrating events, uh, which God is actually, you know, able and prone to do is best way i can put it this is not about some principle that if you bring money or give money to a man of god then you're gonna receive lost things because nowhere in this text does it say that saul actually gave the shekel the, the half shekel to samuel not at all that's not what happened that's not how this went down so muncie is uh, is up to no good, and his partner in crime, and this is a crime, this is blasphemy, and the two of them are going to have to stand before the court of heaven and explain all this to Jesus, and that ain't going to go well, is the best way I can put it. But we continue.
3: Proctors. Now, then Saul said, after several days of looking for the 300 combines or the 300 donkeys, he said, we better get back. My dad will be worried about me, and I'm just going to have to tell him we're never going to get this job.
0: Notice he's not reading the text. No. But Broad Parsley does have his Jubilee Bible in a pen. Doesn't seem to be taking any notes and that Bible. Doesn't seem to be helping any. You know, I'm just saying.
3: We're never going to get this health back. We're never going to get our children back. We're never going to get this marriage back. We're, we're, just, we're just not going to get our investment back. We're not going to get our business back. We just lost.
0: Notice. Loss of a marriage, loss of a business, loss of an investment. You know, people who, have, who are literally down and out, that's who they're exploiting. This is sick.
3: And The servant said, wait a minute, there is a seer. There's a seer in, uh, in this, uh, in, in, in not far from here. What do you mean by seer? Let, let me kind of read it to you because this deals with you. The Bible says in first
0: in, in Samuel... How do you figure it deals with me? I was never anointed the king of Israel. Never will be either. Bummer for me.
3: 9. Now, this, this is just for you. Just for you. He says, and he said unto him, the servant said to Saul, after he said, we got to go back home, we just got to take our loss. Yeah. He said, behold, now there is in a city a man of God. And he is an honorable man. All that he saith, listen to me, because in a moment, Rod Parsley, I'm going to ask, because he's an honorable man of God. He's going to...
0: Rod Parsley? Have you been uh, nipping off the bottle there before the uh, television program started? Just just asking, you know.
3: Speak that your loss is found. He's going to...
0: So Rod... Rod is going to speak a prophetic word over your life so that what you've lost has been found. Fishing scam. That's what this is.
3: Because the Bible says anything that the man of God says, God will back up and it will come to pass.
0: This Rod Parsley isn't a man of God. He's a greedy heretic. He's a wolf.
3: Exactly what he says. He says, he is an honorable man, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go hither. Preadventure he can show us the way we should go. Immediately, Saul said, we can't go. Next verse says, he said, we can't go because we don't have a present. We don't have a gift to give the man of God.
0: Yeah, you'll note that they never gave a a gift to Samuel at all. Nope, didn't happen.
3: Let us move him with that gift. Now, here's the power. Here's the power. You're at lost. In a moment, I'm going to ask Rob Parsley to speak prophetically, mm. just to pray a, a prophetic prayer mm. over you.
0: Mm. Yeah, get to it, Rod. Pray a prophetic prayer, would you? This is so egregious.
3: Happen that you that are watching, mm-hmm. you're you're at loss. You're crying. You're weeping. You're wondering. Your 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 anxiety, your emotions, the the soul of oh, your God. man is just frustrated mm. on this these children, this marriage, this job, this
0: bills. Again, notice he is intentionally preying on people who are experiencing deep pain.
3: The things you're going through. And today, God is saying these words. Oh, I'm so excited Jesus. to tell you this. God says, tell them, Steve, that in their lost, not only are they going to find it, oh but I'm getting ready oh to my. promote them. Oh,
0: my. God didn't say that. God didn't send you to say that. You just made that up out of your greedy, stone-hard, sinful, impenitent, blackened heart. Now
3: now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. This is so exciting. You better hear this. Better hear this. I'm talking about you that are sick. I'm talking about you that are going through the valley. I'm talking about you that have been shut down. I'm talking about you that have lost. Now get ready because always when loss comes, it is emphasized in the negative. We could actually say, God says to the devil, you go first, you go first. Always God is a gentleman. He always says to the negative and to the prince and powers, you go first. Mm -hmm. You give them your best shot. Because I'm a gentleman. I will go second. You smash their marriage. You take their money. You steal.
0: I have no idea. This is just made up theology here. Totally whole cloth. Yeah.
3: Their health. You go after their children. Mm -hmm. But me? Me? I'll go second, because when you, when you give them Come your on. best punch, Jesus. and they lose, Jesus. And, they, and they're in lost position, then I'm going to move in. Hallelujah. For the Bible says the enemy comes in like a flood. There it is. He goes first. The there enemy goes is. first. God... Go second. For the Bible said the enemy comes in like a flood, but then God gets up and raises a standard. Watch this. Weeping endureth for the night. You're crying. You're shook up. Come on, God. God's saying, get that last cry out. Get that last worry out. Because.
0: No, God's not saying any of this. And even the verses you're quoting are all out of context. Uh, This is just pure, unadulterated greed on your part, Steve and Rod said you gotta know, explain all this to jesus when he returns boy he's not gonna be happy to see you wow
3: i'm gonna rise up number two and what the enemy has brought in oh, your life hallelujah. i'm coming to bring joy in the, the morning. morning thank and
0: you. yeah and that joy in the morning morning of course if you want that you gotta write a check to rod parsley if you expect him to actually prophetically speak a word you know, cause you know, Saul and his servant needed to bring a gift to Samuel, so you can 't show up empty handed and expect these kinds of joy in the morning kind of blessings you know
3: in your loss, mm. God is speaking now watch watch what happens because we we'll 're getting ready to pray, and it 's all going to change for you no it 's not you mean this program 's going to change this program yes, yes. you 're only one
0: away. Yes, yes.
3: You're only one record away, one yes, song yes. away, one poem away, one prayer away, yes. one offering away. You're only one person away. Yes, You're yes. only one invention away. Thank You're you, only God. one away. You're not standing in line of 10,000 saying, I hope my day will come. This day has come in your life yes, because yes. you have heard loss. And God is saying, I'm getting ready to restore not only your loss. Watch this. This is incredible, Mm. talking to you that's sick, you that need a miracle, you that are saying, I need a financial need in my life. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that the man of God, the man of God who knew nothing, who, who didn't really know anything other than he was honorable, God spoke to him and said, tomorrow about this time, there will be a young man, and that is the... oh." There it is. Here here we go. That young man is going to be the first king of Israel.
0: (gasps) You're gonna, you're gonna be the next bazillionaire. Uh huh. Boy, these guys are good. Boy, they sure do know how to manipulate people. Wow.
3: He don't know anything about it, but when he comes, he's going to ask you about his loss. Mm. But I have got promotion Jesus. on my mind, and I'm getting ready to make him king.
0: Yeah, that's not what this text is really about. And as if somehow, well, you know, as soon as you give money to Rod Parsley and bring a gift to him, God's got promotion on your mind. oh who who am
3: i talking to you are getting ready to be king over your situation
0: this is so perverse so perverse there's there's not i don't even have words for how perverse this are it is yeah
3: King of your finances king of, of, of your of your children, of your job of, of, of your of your health, and the holy Spirit the holy Spirit says to to the man of God, speak mm. you'll speak over him. not only will you tell him about his loss and how he 's going to get it back, but you're going to tell him you are the next king of Israel. He knew nothing. He was just a boy doing what his daddy said.
0: So God's going to make you king of something because you're going to send money to Rod Parsley, apparently. You
3: Know nothing. You you knew nothing. But now you've turned the television on or the computer and here you're watching and you're saying, you're talking directly to me. Mm. How?
0: You're trying to steal money directly from me and everybody watching.
3: How? What do I do? Mm. You have come to the television set, and you have met the man of God. And God said whatever he says comes to pass. When
0: no, God has not said that anything that Rod Parsley says is going to come to pass. That's just absolute hogwash, bovine scatology. Yeah, it's rubbish.
3: Moses, bless the people. God, backed Moses up. Right. And then you say, well, what do I do? There must be, there must be within you, mm-hmm. your heart, mm-hmm. not on your sleeve, but in your hands. Mm-hmm. For uh-huh. where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. when See, he-
0: notice where your treasure is, there your heart is. See, he's now made the official turn to you know, the big ask. He's going to ask for you to send money to Rod Parsley in order for you to become the king whatever it is that you've lost, that will be returned to you with promotion.
3: man reaches in to give a gift to his wife, to his husband, to his children. He'll put it on a credit card. He'll, he'll stretch it over 30 years to get a...
0: Notice he's suggesting that you pull that credit card out. You're going to have to get yourself in debt in order to get this blessing. Yeah, that's what that was.
3: Stretch it over five years to get a car. He'll stretch it over.
0: Make it a huge amount of money, thousands of dollars. It's going to take you years to pay off the debt that you're going to rack up sending it to them. That's what he's suggesting.
3: To put it on a credit card because it is a gift. It is something I'm giving, I'm working for. And what you honor will come back to you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Saul moved in. Oh,
0: no. Oh, no. Yeah, this is straight up false doctrine. This is straight-up heresy. This is nothing but rank greed. God's word doesn't teach any of this.
3: But Here is my gift, man of God. The moment, because God had said, don't give it away free. Right. Only, only pray for those that bring respect yeah. and honor. Right.
0: Yeah, it's weird because Samuel didn't receive a single farthing, half a shekel, not even a gara. From
3: Saul. Nope. I, I'm not going to give. Yeah, Turn, turn the channel. You right. Try to find somebody else that will bless you. I'm telling you that right now.
0: Turn the channel. If you're not ready to give, go find somebody else who will bless you for free. Because their blessings are only available for money.
3: And let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. And in, in a few moments, Pastor Pars is going to speak. Yes. He's going to just speak blessings on you. No, I want not. you to go to the phone. I just feel this very strongly. Jeez. You that are about to be multimillionaires, you're 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 about to be catapulted.
0: <laughs> so uh, send money to Rod Parsley. You're about to become a multimillionaire.
3: Oh, I got to
1: get in on this. Quick, honey, grab the credit card. A quarter would be
3: two fifty. There are some of you that are about to come out of your dilemma today with a $25 gift. You need to go to the phone as quickly as you can. You need to move to the phone and say, this is my gift to give to the honorable position of the man of God. When you do that, mm. the Bible said, the prophet said, I have found your donkeys, in yeah. your combine.
0: No, I read the text and... Saul so never gave him anything. Not anything. He intended to. And he received all the blessings and the answer to the question about the donkeys for free. Yep.
3: Yeah. And sir, son, come with me. Yeah. And he said, "What do you want, great man of God? Because you have honored me with your gift. Jeez. Because you have put the offering on the altar." Yeah,
0: it's weird because nothing in first Samuel 9 says anything about because you have made an offering or put a gift on the altar. Nope. You're adding that to the text. It ain't there in 1 Samuel 9. You are a liar.
3: Just as my son honored me on Calvary and gave himself, so I come and put the offering.
0: Oh, so Jesus' death on the cross is an example of giving money to a televangelist. Who knew? Like I said, this is perverse. This is sick
3: for you oh god Mm. i can't do anything but the god in me Mm. is waiting for that honorable gift i
0: notice on the screen now so 250 or begin with at least a tithe of 25 dollars now now they're you know being overt in visa mastercard american express discover use your credit card go into debt send in that money so that you can, be, you, can, you can become the next multimillionaire. God's going to do th- No, man. I Wow.
3: Step to the phone. Because in a, a few seconds from now, there's going to be a release come through this television. It's going to come through this computer. It's going to come through the mechanism of how you're watching me. And there's no coincidence why you are watching. And God is speaking. Or could I be the servant and That's say to it. Saul, give. Him. Let us give.
0: Let us give. Let us give. Nobody said to Saul, you know, at least Samuel didn't say to Saul, give. Nope. It was just an idea and a suggestion, and they ended up giving nothing.
3: When you pick up that phone and say, here is my $250, here is my $25, I mean, move with, with, with something within you to say, oh God, Oh God, yes. I honor this moment yes. of you speaking to me. Yes.
0: Yeah, you're not honoring God at all with this. You're these men are blasphemers. They're exploiting people in their greed, telling them false words. These people, Rod Parsley, Steve Muncie, they are boils on the derriere. Of the body of Christ. These men are leeches. They are. Just basically vermin. Praying off of people who are suffering and in pain. And it's just absolutely reprehensible. What it is that they do. And the reason why this show is so successful. Well, how do they say it? You know, suckers born every minute. Yeah. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Heading to C three Oxford Falls, listening to Alex Lee well, preach about seizing the year. And making the dream happen. We'll be right back.
1: Jesus did not die for your 401k. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hybrid Christian Radio Theater presents
0: "Death of a Salesman." Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some? <laughs>
4: You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Hey you. Yeah, you listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck, because we now at pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twistbusters. You don't have to be a cessationist messed up church exclusive skype interviews pirate gang conversations and our most popular segment dumpster fire so if you're looking for some extra pirate christian media goodness in your life head on over to youtube and search for fighting for
1: the faith and subscribe
0: We're fighting for the Faith sermon review time. And this is the one that's the outlier. It doesn't really quite work with the same theme that we were working with in hour number one. I think you'll get the idea. Well, let's do this right, though. Review it all here in Fighting for the Faith for an Equal Opportunity Sermon Reviewing Service. Today's sermon comes to us via C3 Church Oxford Falls. That's in Australia, near Sydney, New South Wales. We're gonna be listening to Alex Lee, a fellow who looks like one of the flower children from the hippie generation, and he's gonna be admonishing us to seize the year make the dream happen as if somehow this is a biblical thing yeah I'm just saying all right so let me go ahead and back off on the music we're going to get to it immediately here is alex lee and seize the year make the dream happen here we go
8: thank you is this thing on okay you're amazing. Everyone, just stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Hey, can we welcome anybody here for their first time, second time? All right, right, right. That was a That was like.
0: If it's your second time, wouldn't that make you a two timer? You know, valid question. You know.
8: A nice golf clap, um, but but can we just lose our minds for anybody that's here for their first time? <laughs> Woo! Woo! Huge welcome. We're so glad you came, Ooh. and you know, you know, you don't even have to believe what we believe to belong here. You can be on any kind of journey, but we want you to know you are welcome.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if they have traditional membership there in their church, but you don't. Yeah, there's nothing required for you to believe to belong. Oh boy, we love you, and we just want
8: to. You know, do the journey with you. I, I think the best thing we could do, as we come into 2019, is to be ready, to be receptive. Whenever you're in the house of God, in the presence of God, the best thing you can do is be receptive. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have a perfect life or a.
0: You just have to have a good reception. Got it
8: good track record, but if you get in God's presence, the best thing you can do is get receptive. Now listen, it's it's the difference between being like, like a rock or a sponge. You can be in the water, but not actually soak up what you're in, because a rock can be in water, but not actually receive anything. But if you get in the river, if you get in that water, and you're like a sponge...
0: Sponge rocks, got it. Sponge rocks, square pants, something like that. If you're in a river, you can, you know, not resist the water, but soak it like a sponge, you know. I don't think this guy knows much about the Bible, and I'm pretty sure he's not a geologist.
8: You will receive and it will soak up in your life. I pray that we would be the most receptive people on the northern beaches. I pray we would be most receptive people in Sydney. That we would put aside our worries and our cynicism or anything that's blocking us and we would choose in God's presence to be open. The thing about openness is it's not it, it, it's not just a nice idea. It's also... A thing in your heart. And so when I open my heart in God's presence, I can now receive. So just take a moment, right now, just take a moment. Jesus said, You don't pour new wine into an old wineskin.
0: Before. Why do I feel like you're going to misuse Jesus' statement there? Just feel it coming.
8: A new thing is received. There's got to be a new structure ready to receive it.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, like a spongy rock in a river. <laughs> Oh, I'm having a hard time taking this guy seriously.
8: I don't think God is talking about a physical wineskin. I think he's actually describing your heart. Your heart is the place that God fills. So do not go into 2019 without being filled. Without soaking in his presence. So just spend a couple more seconds.
1: Waiting
0: on him. We're supposed to be soaking like a spongy rock right now in his presence because we need a new structure like a new wineskin something so I'm not feeling nothing though alright here comes It's about ready to talk we thank you for
8: this year we thank you for what you're doing we thank you for what you're gonna do Lord we thank you for the pursuit God we pray that time would be an appointment with you God, that people who feel lost would be found.
1: Who who feel lost? People who feel dry.
0: Lord, we we ask that people who feel dry, that you would apply your heavenly moisturizer to them.
8: We set free. We thank you for summer camp, Lord. We thank you for your hand upon teenagers all across this
0: city. You should know it's the dead of summer down there, middle of summer, right there, right now in in Australia. We thank you that darkness
8: flees off their life, that light comes and fills their mind and heart, and we bind every work or any scheme or lie that's come against the young people of our nation and our city. We declare that the Church of Jesus Christ is moving forward, that the young hearts of this generation are not cold, they're not weary, they're not tired, they're not disengaged,
0: they're not bored, but they're more on fire than... This is technically part of the sermon there, letting you know. ...have ever been all the way from
8: 12 to 25 to 30 more engaged than have ever been, more called than we've ever seen, most remarkable leaders and preachers. We believe it in Jesus' name. We release it over this year in every life. And they all said, amen. Come on, give God some praise. We're good. Come back. Hey, why don't you high five five people? Grab a seat.
0: This is the uh, holy high five part of the C3 liturgy there. Vital p- part. You know, they've, they've well, replaced the kiss of peace with a holy high five. <laughs> I... <laughs> oh, man. What has happened to the church? And uh,
8: thank you, band. You're amazing. I'll get you back really, really shortly. But uh, what a joy and an honor to bring the word to you tonight. Big honor to Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris. We love you. Can we give it up for Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris? We wouldn't be here without you. And we're so, so, so uh, full of gratitude to be standing on your shoulders. We love you. And uh, it is good. Hey, um, some people got engaged recently.
0: Yes, this is part of the sermon. Just throw in wedding announcements and stuff. Yeah, we haven't gotten to the word yet, and uh, we're almost a third of the way through. That's that's right.
8: Hello. Can you please give it up? Not Sean. (laughs) He's single and a bachelor, by the way. Um, How about...
0: Yeah, all you ladies out there, single ladies looking for an Aussie. Yeah, And they, there's, there's a guy there, you know.
8: Can you please give it up for Wesley McDonough and Alex Pasha? They got engaged. Woo!
0: I think this calls for another holy high five, don't you? We're so excited. Congratulations. Was it on New Year's
8: Eve? Wow. Who had a good New Year's Eve? Wow, well, that was overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get engaged. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, next year. Okay, so, but we are, we're in a new series, which is good, because um, it's a new year, and the new series is Seize the Year, and we...
0: Yeah, that's right. Carpe Yearum or something like that, yeah.
8: I don't want to watch life pass us by. Life is but a vapor. It goes real quick. And if you sit around watching, you'll miss what actually is full of opportunity. Life is full of opportunity. Every week, there is opportunity. Every weekend in this place, there is opportunity. So we want to seize it and we want to dream big this weekend. We're talking about dreaming big. And I want to echo what Pastor James is saying is that it's one thing to dream a, a big dream uh, but I want to dream
0: a God-sized dream. Uh huh. Where in Scripture are we told to dream God-sized dreams, and how big exactly is a God-sized dream? I'm a little curious about the dimensions of such a dream.
8: I, I don't. I don't want to just dream big. I want to dream a God-sized dream, meaning that I want to. I want to dream something that outlives me. I mean, if we, if we live a big dream uh, according to the world's standards, really, that's a small dream. I mean, like, a, a dream that's about you, starts with you, ends with you, it's all about you, it's all about me and mine and numbers and money and things. That, that might seem big, but it's actually really small. Because the biggest dream we can dream Is one that is eternal. One that echoes. Mm,
0: Yeah, you got to dream an eternal dream. Again, where in scripture am I told that I need to be dreaming God-sized eternal dreams?
8: We can dream is one that is eternal. One that echoes in eternity.
0: Thank you, Maximus. Yes, yes.
8: A dream that goes beyond us. And that's what we're a part of. That's what we are a part of. We are a part of a dream that goes beyond us. God's dream, the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the greatest uh, and it is the only plan that God has for the world. And he doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't have a backup plan. Plan A is us. We are it. And he's good with that. But he wants us to step into dreams that are God-sized.
0: Really, where in Scripture am I led to believe that God wants me to step into dreams that are God-sized? I need a text in order to believe this doctrine. and Yes, this is a doctrine. Doctrine simply means teaching. And God-sized dreams, you can miss.
8: You can miss them. And they don't always look like what we think they should look like. They don't always feel like what we think they should feel like. And I want to go really quickly to the book of Luke. Any Luke's in here? Okay.
0: So the God-sized dream doctrine is found somewhere in the gospel of Luke. Okay.
8: That was Eloise said, yep, okay. We'll pray for you, yeah. So good. Luke chapter one. 26 to 38.
1: Luke 1? Luke 26.
0: Um, we're we're going to be talking about the Virgin Mary as an example of a God-sized dream.
8: Oh, boy. Book of Luke says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went there and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you.
0: Now, may I point something out here? And that is, is that Luke 1, starting at 26, telling us about the announcement to the Virgin Mary that she was going to give birth to the Savior. That, and yeah. This is not an example of her dreaming a God-sized dream. Nope, not at all. This is an example of her receiving direct revelation from God via the angel Gabriel. Yep. This is not an example of Mary going,
1: I'm going to
2: dream
0: a God-sized dream. And, uh... Right, it's going to be so big, it's going to be really eternal. And so I'm going to dream a God-sized dream, and, and it's so big, I'm going to dream that I'm going to become pregnant. Well, I'll steal a virgin. Yeah, no, see, it doesn't work that way. That's not what's going on here.
8: Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm have, have you ever felt like that? How will this be?
0: No. <laughs> Gabriel. Has never visited me. Yeah, it's true. I I did not begin fighting for the faith in pirate Christian radio as the result of, well, a visit from an angel of any stripe that I'm aware of, Gabriel or otherwise, from Michael to Gabriel to any of the cherubim, none of the seraphim appeared to me and revealed to me that um we were gonna be starting fighting for the faith in Pirate Christian radio and I and I and I never felt like, whoa, how how's this gonna be? Nope. Nah, this never occurred to me like that. So I'm totally out of my depth here as far as like experiential experiences. Notice the redundancy. Uh when it comes to <laughs> receiving so-called God-sized dreams. God? What are you talking about? How will
8: this be? The angel answered, this is how. This is how. Hey Mary, this is how the Holy Spirit Will fall upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive her six month will, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. The interesting thing about uh, a God-sized dream is that often it feels like an interruption. It often doesn't look like what we're expecting. And he have got married, and she is going to get married.
0: What doesn't look like I'm expecting? What are you talking about? <laughs> you make it sound like you know we as Christians should experience. It's normative for us to experience, you know, this type of angelic visitation and revelation. Are you kidding me?
8: It's very exciting. And uh, she is, you know, engaged and and looking to marry Joseph at Joseph's palm, And uh, it's all exciting, right, Al and Wes.
0: And so um, Mary's got this dream, right? No, she doesn't. She received a revelation. There's a big difference.
8: He's dreaming of marrying Joseph.
0: Oh, I oh, love. Well, that. that part, okay. Yeah, maybe she's dreaming about that. Joseph, we She
8: is can't wait. And then here comes God, naughty God, you know, annoying God, and he interrupts what was a perfectly good plan, what was looking sorted. Wedding plans were done. Everything was on track. And then God comes in and interrupts the whole thing and says, Mary, you're going to give birth to Jesus. And she's like, what? (laughs) Who's that? (laughs) And he's like, well, you'll see. (laughs) And so Mary now is going to give birth she she has to explain to Joseph which is awkward pre-marriage you know she's like well Joe it's a God thing <laughs> and he's like it's a what <laughs> he's like I know how this works it's not a God thing you know and he's like she's like wow well, it is and he's like oh yeah okay we'll uh We'll do something about this. And then God shows up to Joseph. Says, hey, champion,
0: <laughs> it's a God dream. <laughs> I will knock you out. <laughs> no, this is not a God dream. You're just making that part up and putting it into the text. This is not an example of a God dream.
8: Marry that girl. And, and here's Mary with her little plan. Her little dream 2019. <laughs> it's actually a long time ago, sorry about that. Heresy. <laughs> Her little dream, but God's interruption. And and I wonder maybe if God wants to interrupt your plans this year. I, I wonder if maybe God wants to bring a, a new thing into your life that actually feels like an interruption. One time Jesus, he, he, he's just, he's turned like 30 and he's, he's just starting out in, you know, what's going to be his ministry, which is going to literally change the world. And he rocks up and there's two guys fishing. Who likes fishing? <clears throat> me either. Okay, so <laughs> Jesus comes up to guys in the boat. He's like, hey, you two, follow me. They're like, who the heck is this guy? Let's go. <laughs> Not recommend
0: yeah, his um, exegetical acumen here is severely lacking. Okay, so they, they just go off,
8: and Jesus says, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." So listen, God, or Jesus, who is God, didn't say, "I'm going to change what you're good at." He said, "I'm going to give what you're good at." A higher purpose. I'm I'm not. What?
1: Uh.
0: (laughs) I can't offer much else by way of correction here. We're just so far away from what Scripture says and means here.
8: I'm not worried about fishing. Fishing's good. I love fish. I made them. But, but but, I'm going to take what you're good at and give it a higher purpose. I'm going to take your fishing and it's going to echo in eternity because out of you is going to...
0: See, this is what happens when you combine your theology <laughs> with quotes from Gladiator, the movie. <laughs> I'm going to take your fishing and make it echo in
1: eternity
8: Uh, okay I'm the church of Jesus Christ I wonder come on God wants to use what you're good at don't become a boring Christian don't think oh well you know the only way to do something for God is to be on stuff rubbish rubbish in fact it, it can be limiting get out there Use what you're good at. If you can talk underwater, you, you're just, you can just talk. Well, God will use that. If, if you're good at sport, God will use sport. If you're good at writing, if you're good at poetry, I wish I was good at poetry. If you were, if you were whatever you're good at, if you're good with money, God will use it. But he won't use it just for you. He'll use it for a higher purpose. And it will result... In other people. This is what I want. I, wanna, I want dreams that start with God and end with a legacy in the lives of others. That's the kind of dreams I want to dream. I want to dream dreams that are so crazy that they will outlive me and will live in eternity because the only thing you.
0: <clears throat> Again, I just keep pointing out that uh, y- y- you know, any of the examples you've given so far, none of them involve somebody. Intentionally attempting to dream a God sized dream. Nope. Instead, them receiving revelation from God. You know, and nowhere are we told that that's what we're supposed to do then.
8: And take to heaven is people. You can't take stuff can't take things you're not going to get to the end of your life and wish you were more comfortable man i wish i lived a more comfortable life man i wish i didn't do so much and wish i i didn't step out and i wish i just sat around and just did nothing slept more watched more netflix i wish i had more followers on instagram i wish i you were not going to wish that When you get to the end, you're going to wish you poured it all out. You're going to wish you gave more. You're going to wish you did more to to expand God's kingdom and to reach people. I'm praying that let's be the kind of people who who dream God-sized dreams that outlive us. And sometimes that looks like an interruption. And so that means we need to slow down and have room for interruptions for people that actually might be an interruption to your busy schedule.
1: (laughs)
0: So I, I, so (laughs) these God sized dream thingies can really come across as an interruption. So, you know, you better slow down.
1: Hey, I'm
8: busy, <laughs> and somehow you know, you know when like we just talk to people like, "Hey, how are you?" Oh, I'm really busy. <laughs> cool, <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, why do we do that? Well, I'm really busy. I think because sometimes we think busyness equals importance. I think sometimes we think if my schedule is full and I'm just a wreck because I got so much on, this, 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 that must mean I'm really important because I got so much on. Listen to me. In eternity, that is not what's important. What's important to God is that one person you keep ignoring who lives near you who God actually wants you to help. It hurts, it convicts me. You know, like that person that sometimes kind of, how do you say they're annoying <laughs> and and you, and you keep thinking, "Well, uh, you know maybe someone else you know someone else will do something to help them, and someone else will look after it, but maybe that person is actually the person that God has sent you for you to help, and we keep saying, "God use me, come on, come on, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that and and There's a person right there that we keep missing because we think they're an interruption. But actually, the interruption is an invitation from God to step into a plan and a purpose that he has for you. I, I love soccer. I play soccer.
0: Where are you finding this in the scripture again, Alex? It's like you're just making stuff up
8: played soccer uh, for a long time, and I, um, I recently was in a, a team a couple of years ago, and I, I, I was playing, and I just, I just wanted to be the best, I wanted to just win everything, and I was just so invested in, in playing, and all I was thinking about was the game, you know, just, just all about it, and then one day, um, God interrupts me, rude, and says, hey, you, I felt like he said to me, you haven't prayed for anybody on your team. Like I haven't prayed for one person, and not just to whatever for an agenda. Just, just you haven't prayed for them, like cared for them, loved them, prayed. I was like, "Oh, yeah, good point." <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> so, I, I, I prayed for my coach. In fact, I was with Mitch McDonough. He might not remember this, but we were in a prayer meeting, and I, I felt so convicted. I said, "Mitch, pray with me for my soccer coach." So we prayed, and then. Um, I uh, had a phone call the next day from my soccer coach. I was like, "Wow, that's weird," and did nothing. <laughs> Spoke on the phone. I was like, "Cool, see you later." And I was like, "Ah, oh, that was that was the opportunity." So I did what any genius does. I called him straight back. <laughs> I said, "How you been these last two minutes?" <laughs> and he's like, "Good." And I said, "Okay, okay." So this is like how I invited him, saying it was the worst invitation you've ever seen, but it worked, so shut up. Okay, so I'm like, hey, um, hey his name's Buster, he's English, and he's like, real brute, you know. And so he, he, he says, I go, I go Buster, um, I was wondering if you maybe might consider maybe coming to a little thing called Alpha with me. And he said, yeah, all right. <laughs> I said, What? <laughs> Yeah, all right. I say, oh, cool, 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 cool. So, so, so uh, the way it works is um, I'll pick you up, you know. this, He comes for three weeks in a row and he says, yeah, right. So take me down to church next week, right? I'm like.
0: Now we've uh, gone into personal story time. Maybe we're done with biblical exegesis. <clears throat> Not that we ever got started with it. Okay.
8: He comes to church. Pastor Phil's preaching and says, hey, anybody, who you want to invite God into your life, come now. He gets out of his seat and runs to the altar. I am hanging on to his shirt, dragging down the aisles. It, it, it is, Pastor Mike, it is. It, it, it's, it's the interruptions. Let's not be so busy that we miss the people we work with every day thinking, well, if I'm, if I'm on staff at church, then I'll have a mission. No, your workplace is your mission. Your family is your mission. Your school is your mission. Your coffee place is your mission. So let's slow down in 2019. Be ready for the God interruptions. The other kind of annoying thing about God-sized dreams is they often create more problems.
0: Yeah, again, where am I told to expect a God-sized interruption-type dreamy thingy just because Mary had one? Or maybe Peter or something like that. Huh?
8: (laughs) We think like, oh, God, you know, I can't wait to do this for you. And we have this really beautiful, romantic, you know, picture of it. And then problems, challenges, challenges. I remember I, I, uh, I got ordained as a youth pastor, and um, it was so lovely. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know, Mom and Dad were there. It was great. We'd party. And then the next day, all hell broke loose. Literally, the next day was like the next toughest year, I think, of my life. I lost all my friends. It just cost me all my friends. And I, I couldn't understand what was happening. I'm like, God, what is going on? This is not how it's meant to be. I quit. (laughs) What is this? But, you know, I look back now and I realize that the problems that came into my life at that time, they seemed like problems then, but I look at them now as the greatest things that God used in my life to get things in me that I couldn't get any other way. You can't get everything that God has for you through just success. You can't get everything you need just through life being perfect all the time. Sometimes God God will will let a problem in your world, and the problem will actually drive you to look to Him more than you ever have before. Sometimes you'll dream a dream that's so big that it invites problems, but the problem...
0: Notice his entire doctrine and theology is based on experience, not on anything clearly taught in the Word of God or rightly exegeted.
8: Don't exist to take you out. They don't exist to tell you who you're not. In fact, they exist to affirm who you are. They exist to show... Who
0: says? Where are you getting this?
8: you, that with God you're more than a conqueror. With God you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I know it looks hard and I know it looks difficult, but God is bigger. And so sometimes a God-sized dream it'll, it'll create more problems, but don't sweat it. Mary had the problem of the awkward nature of what was happening for her and, and people looking at her different and, and people talking and But in due time, the promise of God came to pass. Reminds me of the scripture that says, do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, if you do not quit, you will reap a harvest. And that's a word for somebody here tonight. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in turning up to church every weekend. Do not grow weary in running your connect group. Do not grow weary in praying. Do not grow weary in reading the word. Do not grow...
0: Praying and reading the word are vital parts of the Christian faith and life. This is true. This, this part of the sermon sounds like kind of an infomercial for whatever activities they have going on there. Weary and
8: staying connected because, in due time, in God's timing, it will reap a harvest. The other thing I want to touch on is that it often seems beyond our ability. Band, I'll get you back up.
0: Come. Yeah, time for the band to come up and the sappy music to start playing.
8: Help me. The, the, the issue is that a God sized dream will always feel beyond your ability. You know why that is? Because it is. Exactly. You're right. It is beyond your ability. Mary says, how, God?
0: How? Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience for the purpose of getting them to make a decision. This is the close part of the sale, if you know what I mean.
8: How on earth... Would this happen? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will fall upon you.
0: You know, the sad part is that this is an amazing text. The the announcement to Mary that she would give birth to the Messiah and that she believed the word of the angel. Uh, which she believed the word of the God, of God in the angel's mouth. And may it be to me as the Lord has said. You know, th- this is a great story of faith and belief and trust in the word of God uh, by the Virgin Mary. She stands as an example to us of somebody who has faith. And he's hijacked this text and turned it into something about you know, my need to dream a God-sized dream, which is utterly ludicrous. This this wasn't a sermon. it's The sermon was just literally a waste of space, a waste of time. These people were not discipled at all in anything meaningful regarding the Scriptures. power of the Most High will
8: overshadow you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, where? Within us. So oftentimes we are looking
0: for God. Ephesians 3.20, benedictory thought uh, from a little prayer that's actually included in the book of Ephesians, and now he's turning it into something that's supposedly supporting this idea of dreaming a, you know a God-sized dream, and it's not.
8: It's power to be at work around us. Come on, God, change them. Come on, God, change that. And we want the power of God to work around us. Fix this and fix that, God. But His power has a context. And it's not actually around you.
0: Where is it? Oh, it's within me.
8: (laughs) It never is around you. It's in you. His power starts in us and then starts to move into our life. But it's got to start here. And so let's step into this year with the power of God. Make room for Him.
0: There it is. Make room for Him. Apparently, making room for Him will result in. You being able to dream a God-sized dream? <sighs> this is nonsense. Just utterly frivolous. Narcissistic. <clears throat> <clears throat> left a bad taste in my mouth. You know, I mean, seriously, I don't go to church for these kinds of things. And as a pastor, you know, I dare not disobey God's word. God's word literally says my job is to preach the word full stop end of story there's not much else left to do here preach the word in season out of season proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins preach christ and him crucified uh, you know actually substance subsist- substantively work through an entire biblical text that's what we're supposed to be doing as pastors and i have no idea what that was, except for maybe a complete and utter waste of time. Hmm. So, what do you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian.